0: <coughs> the theme for the afternoon talk is Be a Light unto Yourself. <coughs> in uh, ancient India, and it is uh, certainly somewhat reflected still in uh, <coughs> contemporary spiritual uh, India, religious India, it was generally assumed that there was an enormous gap an abyss, we might say between teacher and student and it's reflected and has showed itself over the years and you can see it here in the village of Budgaya as well as elsewhere in a form of relationship which was often, and still is <coughs> extremely devotional in which in that gap, in that separation the Guru was with a capital G the Sisha, the disciple, the devotee and in the division between the two it was assumed rather (laughs) all too often that the embodiment of all truth and wisdom and enlightenment rested in the hands, or in the heart, or in the mind uh, of the Guru and it created an extraordinary culture, a questionable culture between one and the other and this gap nourished, of course, devotional feelings from the, the Sadak, the Sishad, the devotee, <coughs> the student And has generated, and continues to generate, many forms of religious expression And often religion then has boiled down to being a kind of devotional practice if you look at the world's uh, religions (coughs) The Buddha, in his wisdom Immediately after his realisations under the tree And several weeks of reflection on those realizations five minutes uh, walk from here walked away from the tree and then a thought arose in his mind that people, human, human beings have so much to quote dust in their eyes what hope (coughs) <coughs> can they come to any real clear seeing and a Brahman, lovely person, came up to him because the Buddha's thought that arose inside of him he said he would be tiring and annoying <laughs> this is right after enlightenment take note <laughs> <laughs> tiring and annoying to walk around North India giving profound teachings of an enlightened (coughs) life and liberation if no one is going to understand and see clearly what's the point? (coughs) I know how he feels (laughs) and um, (laughs) and so he had some doubt and he said that is the somebody said to him. There are people who have little dust in their eyes, who are ready, who are receptive, who are deeply interested in the core truths of life, and they want to realize life. They want to go through life in a daydream, in a nightmare, <laughs> living under the shadow of ego, morning, noon, and night. And this gave some this invitation. Gave some genuine and uh, real encouragement and Then began a rather radical body of uh, teachings And one of the first things that became very clear in this uh, radical body of teaching is He dismissed ruthlessly this whole construction of the guru-disciple relationship It had nothing to do with it It easily led to a form of submissiveness from, quote unquote, the disciples, the followers. And it easily led to the um, magnification of a lot of ego and power tripping with the Gurus. Mm -hmm. And felt that this created an unreasonable and unacceptable gap. And sometimes one sees here when the Wherever who Lamas and Dalai Lamas and others who many of us love dearly. And one sees them standing on the row, you've seen them, perhaps you've done it rather sadly. Standing on the, the row there, waving the white flag as a whole fleet of eighteen or twenty cars go by, all looking for some special person, sitting in the back of the car with one mega smile on his face. the Buddha said great one liner why should I who am subject to birth ageing pain and death want to worship another who is equally subject to birth ageing pain and death good question so he dismissed it ruthlessly, I love him for it And therefore, took the emphasis off this kind of submissive devotional (coughs) elevating of a human being into an unreasonable and unacceptable realm, and put the focus on men and women looking into things together to see what the truth of things is together and to share and explore our experience together. And therefore, the gap was reduced dramatically. And when one person went to the Buddha and asked him about this kind of uh, elevation, this hierarchy which <coughs> men, of course, have loved. Go oh, to the tree. Who's sitting around the tree? Men. Thousands of them. <laughs> they love it. The rest of you can be at the back. And the Buddha said, when he was asked by one of the followers, some guru, the Buddha said about this, the Buddha turned to him and he said, I can remember the Pali because we used to say it a lot in the monastery, Atsahiyatanonato. Be a light unto yourself. Beautiful. Great one liner. So what does that mean? What does that mean in the dynamic of all these things? (coughs) It means the teacher, yes, has a place, has uh, authority, has the, hopefully, the willingness to, 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 to share and we explore together. But the ear of the listener matters. The heart of the listener matters far more than the one who is doing the talking. And in that act of listening, the act of listening is to listen so that you listen, then you listen to see. Is there anything valuable which is being stated, which helps to bring light to oneself? And sometimes, unfortunately, we confuse this core message. And we think, oh, I've got to become a Buddhist. I've got to buy this whole baggage which uh, goes along with it. Please, please do not become a Buddhist, I beg you. (laughs) I've never been a Buddhist. I was never a Buddhist when I was a Buddhist monk. (laughs) (laughs) And I was not before. (laughs) You get the irony. And I was not uh, uh, after. And as one of my good uh, fellow teachers uh, uh, commented, don't be a Buddhist, be a Buddha, much better. Wake up. up. (coughs) So if we can, as human beings, men and women of the earth, kind of establish some kind of uh, uh, understanding to be a light unto oneself. But it's a huge challenge. Because, on the one side, you and I, we have have to listen. My God, we need to listen to each other. We need to listen to teachings. We need to listen to practices. We need to listen to what's workable in our life. Really listen. We've listened to so much, which is absolute rubbish. Listen to so much in education, etc. And when I was just in Australia recently, my dear mother, she said, gave on the years, 84. And uh, she was talking with a friend about me when I was young and apparently I didn't I did remember she said that when I was 15 this I of course remember when I was 15 I decided to uh, leave school and, and the school the teacher was at, uh, one of these Roman Catholic schools some of you have been to them you know the nightmare uh, priests and boarding school, 50% um, day pupils, I was one of the day pupils. So the priest came round to my house to see my mother and father and said, Christopher wants to leave school at 15, it's far too early, he hasn't done any uh, exams uh, there and of course I was skipping school happily. (laughs) Uh, etc what's he going to do if he leaves school at the age of 50 <coughs> so my mother and father said oh, gosh he can't leave school It's far too uh, early he hasn't finished his education etc you're absolutely, absolutely right and she said I was in the kitchen while they were in the living room having this discussion about me and I shouted out <laughs> Things haven't changed as you can tell. <laughs> I, I shouted out I am leaving school because they've got nothing left to teach me. <laughs> I'm now sixty, that's forty five years later, and I still haven't changed my mind. I am a sage. So we've listened to a lot. We've been don't left school, of course, naturally, intelligently. And we listened to a lot but want to listen to teachings which open our heart give us the skills to live wisely through this existence give us the practices to know what it means this important profound thing of life to really be able to examine one's mind that which is closest to us that which gives you and I The ability of mind, I mean heart and mind, feelings and thoughts and perceptions. Which gives us the vehicle, the instrument, to look at this world. And if your heart and mind and my heart and mind is in lousy condition, what hope is there to seeing the pristine wonder and mystery of this world? Because the vehicle we have to go through is heart and mind and perceptions. If we can't, if that's not bright and, and open and insightful, what hope is there to see anything clearly? Because it's the only instrument we've got, there is no other. And my God, the nightmare of it is we've neglected it. <coughs> Sometimes, in the being a light unto oneself, as important and as valuable it is, some people understandably react. They react against authority, or they react against teachers, or education or or whatever it might be you and I may say I don't want and I'll quote a couple of things and tell you a couple of stories in a minute you you and I may say I don't want to be dependent upon the views of others (coughs) I don't want to be sucked in to what others keep telling me what to do or telling me how to live I certainly sympathise and empathise with that very strongly But how easily then we are then totally reliant on what our mind informs us. It's one thing to say I don't want to be dependent on what others tell me and how others tell me to live and what I uh, should do. But if my own inner life with its tendencies and its patterns and its reactivity and its conditioning is such how can I really be a light unto myself if my inner life is pushing and pulling me backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And sometimes in some extraordinary way, and it leaves us on the edge of the unknown, I can't rely on the voices of others. And sometimes all those inner voices inside of me, I can't rely on that either. And then I'm in a real quandary, what do I do? How do I live? How do I find the real light inside of myself? I wrote a uh, um, little bit about I was in um, uh, uh, Israel last year <coughs> and we were in the uh, lovely <coughs> retreat with my friends there in the, in the Negev, in the, in the desert there. And one young young person came to in his twenties came to speak and I think his voice possibly reflects a number of the voices uh, here while sitting again one of his uh, first retreats while sitting on the retreat he noticed and felt and saw all these different kind of uh, voices going on inside of himself (coughs) and that kind of turmoil and conflict that can go on what do we listen to inside of ourselves one says do this and another says do that and then we go to somebody else and they say well do this and they say do that and then, and we just can't make up our mind because of this proliferation this profusion of the voices where's what what is the authentic voice inside the inside the human being so after it i have a few Weeks later, with a little bit of reflection on what this uh, good young man say said, I uh, wrote a little bit as, as as I mentioned. So sometimes we find ourselves in the voice of, uh, in the grip of the voices. Sometimes from the past. Next one, families, friends, and uh, and our own reactions, etc. So it's just what I wrote, not necessarily. People say, oh, Christopher, your poem's all about somebody or something. No, not necessarily. Hopefully, there's a little inspiration that the microcosm is a little reflection of many others. <coughs> Here we go. It's called Who Will You Listen To? Who will you listen to when the voices swirl all around you that always think they know what is best for you? as though you can fix your security on the plaintiff whim of others. These voices will never encourage you to walk your own path, to make your acts of crazy wisdom and to find out what matters through expressions of rebellious foolishness. The wind that sways through the summer fields the song of the skylark hovering in the afternoon sky and the gallop of the horse across green pastures. Listen here and to the cry of the crestfallen and the voice of freedom somewhere deep down in your being. Catch the wind that reminds you of your liberation from the doldrums of a formed life. Catch the song that refuses to submit to the land of the living dead. Throw off your wish to please that clamour of appeals that keep telling you to imitate them and their confined existence. Let yourself enter deeper and deeper into the new and the unknown, until these wearisome voices have become the faintest of echoes from another lifetime I think sometimes with all the voices, do this, don't do that, should do this, shouldn't do that or wherever they come from outside and inside all supposedly with best intentions and one can go nuts with all these voices (coughs) Could it be that to be a light unto (coughs) ourselves is really not to buy into any of them? To let the brain cells and all the voices become rather still and quiet And that doesn't mean mean to say that you and I stop listening inwardly It doesn't mean to say that all the voices are false and are wrong but perhaps somewhere in the being, in the inner life we really listen, let all those voices I should stay, should go, should do this, should do that whatever it might be and all the conflict that goes with it to let it all rest deep let it all come to a certain kind of quietitude and let the brain and the being be still and there's a certain unknown there because then you and I don't know what to do we M- don't necessarily know where to go and then the, the Buddha doesn't leave us at that, like this he some, says some very <coughs> beautiful teachings on this theme and I think sometimes in our life we are so uncertain in ourselves. we are so unsure of ourself we so much suspect our worth as a human being have so many doubts about ourselves about what we are and who we are all of this feeds this insecurity and as people have been saying in the small groups and one to ones Christopher sometimes I don't know if I'm doing it right I don't know if I'm following the instructions properly I don't know if I'm ready for this I don't know if I can last another six or seven days here. I don't know if uh, I'm really up to this. I don't know if it's the right time, the right place, the right teacher, the right situation, the right country, or if I'm the right person. (laughs) (laughs) And all of this is kind of easily and understandably inside of us go, go, going on inside doubting here, Doubt in doubt there, doubt there just can run everywhere, everywhere with us and when we're experiencing uh, this doubt how easily, in the pervasiveness of it then comes the further reaction upon the top of that as I said once, lack of self-worth not feeling good enough, etc and then the blame that then piles on top of that as well. Feeling that we've never done things right, one's made a complete mess of one's life, and the whole thing just begins to grow and grow. Then what are we going to do? Insecure, unsure, uncertain, not knowing, looking outwardly, looking inwardly, what to do with and it's not like this is a rare phenomena it's an epidemic <coughs> it's just pervasive rather They get spellbound and it is a spell upon our consciousness the Buddha speaks of five powers of mind one of them is trust. (coughs) Trust. Sometimes we have no idea what to trust. We don't know what to trust. Could it be possible just to trust in the moment? Trust in the here and now? Could it be just to trust the fact that men and women for generations have gone through everything that you have gone through and are going through in the hall and remarkably and beautifully and transformingly have emerged out of it no matter how deep the darkness, how great the depression how strong the unhappiness how much the self-hate and the self-doubt and the self-worth is in there, that something in the process of it all, teachings and practices, has moved through. And that's why they still live. So sometimes we need a little trust that the teachings and the practices, and that there are men and women in this hall and for generations upon generations <coughs> who, through their own experience, say it works. Through being a light unto themselves and putting light into their mind and truly examining the inner life and say, "Whew! It can change. It can be transformed." <coughs> Another important power of mind is mindfulness. Just to be mindful incredible thing, you know—to be uh, mind, to be mindful. To be mindful of the ordinary (coughs) and the everyday and say to oneself, everything in life is really worth attention. Really worth to give attention to the most ordinary things. When I was a a monk, I Dharma Drogue, bless him, would come into the Dharma Hall uh, I've never done, done it but I have to say I've been tempted and would give a rather long practical instruction on how to squat on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> without lifting his robes up over would say and would just, every few times every year, because he gave the teachings uh, seven days a week, every night of the year, would walk into the hall, and then he would go right through the hall process so not totally through but you know what I mean <laughs> and of course once it started because the monks are now sitting in the saying, oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> yet again toilet meditation <laughs> and as I've said in this all over the years for some people it's the only place where there's any letting go going on but anyway <laughs> So sometimes, in the ordinary, in the everyday, that's taking place (coughs) Obviously, obviously, it's a function of human life, biological life (coughs) It's significant Yet, we often have built up other things to be far more and we create this hierarchy of significant events And so, the pilgrimage to the toilets, at the bottom end of what really matters Except when one's constipated, <laughs> and one's mindless in some areas, hardly knows one's been in the toilet, uh, etc. One always knows when others have been, you know. <laughs> <laughs> As though in the scheme and the scale of things, it doesn't matter so much. And again, part of the Dharma teachings, let's say all things, all aspects of our life is truly worthy of our attention and interest incredible message he's cutting through the Buddha letters once again this hierarchy, these experiences are really 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 important I want a huge mind blowing experience while I'm in the monastery, but squatting on the toilet, well it's got nothing to do with it this is called an unenlightened way of looking at things it's not making the big thing of a special experience the dramatic change from the searching and the seeking and the mind blowing drugs and the trying to get one's kundalini running up and down one's backside and all the other things it's true Whatever a Dharma teach, you have to listen to it, (laughs) and taking a different kind of emphasis and saying, in the moment, in the situation, we can bring light to our inner life. What are you giggling about? (laughs) And and light to the outer. To live an enlightened life is to bring light to the ordinary and the everyday. And let it reveal itself in its awesomeness. To live an enlightened life is to bring light to the ordinary and the everyday. Beautiful thing to do. My God, the life is so short, are we going to blow it? It takes a third feature. <coughs> and this is samadhi, it means concentration so instead of you and I worrying and fretting about lack of self-worth and not being good enough and it could be better and I always blow it all those things where we keep undermining ourselves and attacking ourselves and putting ourselves down this (coughs) merciless habit that we have rather than speculating why is it, why am I like this, what's the causes of, what the conditions, what's the past that bring, it? we say, no, don't care about that. Even if you and I have got all the answers of why we are like we are, it doesn't necessarily make a scrap of difference as we know. What do I need to concentrate on in life? What do I need to trust in? What are areas in life I really need to bring mindfulness to things? Really bring mindfulness to things? What do I really need to concentrate on? If I start bringing this and developing this in these five powers, inner powers Siddhis the word, Siddhis powers I start bringing these in (coughs) then something will happen inside one will be a light to oneself one will feel (coughs) one's own empowerment as a as a human being and one still will be able to listen to the wisdom of others but there's no dependency <coughs> one's not a follower one's a listener and the fourth important one is energy the word is viraya I thought it should be viraga but anyway Is it Viagra? That (laughs) stuff. Viagra, that's the word. Viagra. (laughs) You can tell I don't have much familiarity with Viagra. Viagra, that's it. (laughs) A little bit more natural Viagra is good for all of us, I would say. So, this Virya, energy. What are we doing with our energy? What are we expending it on? Daydreams? Fantasies? The obsessional story? Wondering why others are being who they are? What are we doing with us? What are we doing with it? Supposing we weren't wasting all this <coughs> energy past, present, future daydreaming. Say so I really want to take a real interest. What do I this have this energy, this life force, this energy, this video? What would be the most skillful application of it? It'd be a deep question to ask, wouldn't it? To really ask. You have to be a light unto yourself. It's not up to me to <coughs> tell you what to do with your energy. Though I don't mind. <laughs> what do I do with the energy? What is the priority while I live? What is the potency of it? What is the power of it? <coughs> then we hear—I well, don't know anything about science—but years ago they thought you can't split the atom. You can't you? Can't do it. Then along came Mister Einstein a century ago. Gave us these theories, etc, etc. Wow, look what happens when the atom splits. Look at the incredible energy that's released out of it. What if we split all that contracted energy inside of us? All that small-mindedness inside of us? All that little self? And we split all of that. And dissolved all of that and saw through that what kind of energy would that release? <coughs> wouldn't that bring out an extraordinary degree of <coughs> love which is the great energy and compassion and deep deep connectedness because we're a light unto ourselves and we're examining our mind and we're looking into our being and we're looking at what trust is and what mindfulness is and what samadhi is and what energy uh, is, and we're saying, this is our life, here, And we bring that into focus, and something can come out of it. And then we refuse to compromise. We don't want to live dependent on uh, other people. Even though, the kindness of other people, the thoughtfulness of other people, say, oh, be like this, do this, do that, do this. And somewhere we've got to deep listen. And in deep listening, there's no withdrawal in that. Deep listening Brings deep connection. If it doesn't bring deep connection, there's no listening. Just uh, recently, I don't know, I don't <coughs> speaking with uh, a good friend, uh, the, the Buddha uses rather a nice um, analogy sometimes. Sometimes with Dharma teachings, I've heard this a few times uh, over the years, Dharma teachings can be a little bit like grabbing the uh, snake, the poisonous snake, by uh, the tail. And in teachings which speak of um, non-attachment, sometimes it, uh, grabbing of the snake by the tail means it can get used in a kind of um, self-interested Manipulative kind of uh, way. So, isn't, isn't, uh, not so uh, un, un, unusual. I've, I've never been married, but um, I hear the stories. <laughs> it says, I wrote, uh, basically, the husband who I met of a, uh, a friend started an affair so they were married they'd known each other for a few years and just a few months mind you not 5 or 10 years a few months after he started an affair with another woman and of course it was very challenging it's not easy if you Husband is spending whatever it is, one or two nights uh, a week in the bed of another woman, then coming back. And he was putting out the, 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 the message. God bless him. Putting out the message, he said, a Dharma message. I love it. <laughs> he said, You, that's to his wife, you're clinging. <laughs> You're clinging to ideas of monogamy Whoa, wait a minute So this is grabbing the snake by the tail Using Dharma language I'm mentioning this because there's always some idiots on retreats who do it Using Dharma language to get one's own way She Wasn't really being a light unto herself Maybe he's right Maybe I am just clinging to ideas of monogamy. Maybe it is okay, it's just my social conditioning which says, oh, there is a commitment between a man and a woman and a closeness between a man and a woman and I'm just holding to that idea, that model, that interpretation and maybe it's all right if he wants to go and screw whoever he wishes. LAUGHTER <Whatever. coughs> I'm interpreting what she was thinking she was probably more subtle than I <laughs> <laughs> right so this went on for about a year and then there was a meeting no, not the woman him and his wife and at that point she realised <laughs> having struggled with this over a year enough is enough and she said goodbye finish and all credit to her so i wrote for those of you who anyway it's called it's called the man you married <laughs> the man you married never truly existed the man in your heart hid you from the man who lived in front of you You thought the inner was the outer, that the man within was the outer man. You lived and died in your error, torn to pieces in the imagined story of the heart. You both announced your sacred vows to the gallery of smiling loved ones, while he smiled at the mall with empty sincerity And let his view kiss you. You married your dream while he whispered his love upon the soft breasts of another woman. You thought you could win him back, but you had never met him. You ignored the road signs that led to the confrontation of the inner and the outer. The power of reality crushed your dreams You only Sorry You who thought you lived your dream but you only lived your nightmare What is this meditation that takes no notice of reality? What is this illusion that defies the meeting of the inner and the outer? You married your dream and you blamed your non-dream you grieve for what you lost in the mirror believing in the power of your connection you stayed hooked and you found out what you never wanted to see oh the narcissism of it all the sea has finally washed away your carefully constructed sandcastles washed away the form of your identity leaving only infinite grains of sand along a scattered beach love the non dual. sometimes in life as I try to express in this and in many other situations it can be a kind of shock to us (coughs) when what we thought we saw was actually what we saw was inside and it kind of blocks from seeing the outer and then it's a shock we miss the signals we get (coughs) married and an affair starts soon after the marriage or whatever and it takes to be a light unto oneself it takes a lot of (coughs) clarity for all of us, and a lot of trust, and a lot of inner empowerment, and the use of the the fifth power of, of wisdom, and so in the difficulties and the turmoils that sometimes beset our life, we say, what is the trust? And sometimes the trust is, I have to say no, I don't know what that would mean for tomorrow, for next week, next month, next year, but sometimes we have to say no and trust in that, even though the future can seem extraordinarily insecure. But one's had the courage, the trust, to say no and live with what happens afterwards, rather than be submissive and dependent and fearful and anxious and waiting and waiting. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, let me bring more mindfulness to the day so I don't keep, my mind doesn't keep <laughs> fretting in the personal story because truth is behind the personal story it's somewhere else than this personal story what is it what is it I need to concentrate on what is it I need to really bring my energy to and really focus on what shows wisdom in dealing with this situation and if you and I really <coughs> apply all of these and we remember them and we reflect on them and we put them to uh, practice then this whole cycle of lack of self-worth putting ourselves down not feeling good enough keep comparing ourselves with others and all the difficulties and the, that go along with it it will belong to the dustbin of history because we've got a quiet inner power and we feel our presence on this earth and we can still listen May all beings live a conscious life. May all beings embrace the inner and the outer. May all beings be a light unto themselves. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes shall we.